Hi, everyone. This is Martin Willis with the Antique Auction Forum, and we have episode 104 today with Laura Truman. And today's topic is movie props. Laura scouts the country for movie props and supplies them for a number of uh, noted movies. A couple of announcements. I'm hoping that you like the new configuration of the website. We had it redesigned, and the podcasts are right on top and very convenient to play. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash auction underscore podcast. You can like us on Facebook. That icon is right on our page, which is antiqueauctionforum.com. You can listen to us on your smartphone. With Stitcher, we have a free app located right on our website. Today's guest was a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy it. And here's the show. This podcast is sponsored by WorthPoint. Find out what your antiques are worth at worthpoint.com. Hi, I have Laura Truman on the line. How are you doing, Laura? Good. And where am I calling you? You are calling me from my warehouse in New York. In New York. And you have a couple of warehouses, right? I do. I have them across the United States. You have a, a fascinating business. We met in Miami uh, last January and kind of hit it off. I, I, I thought I liked your sense of humor. And, uh, and you're a real go-getter, and that's why I wanted you on the podcast. And uh, you also have a very interesting career. Can you tell our listeners exactly what you do with the movies? Sure. One, one of the largest parts of our business is we obtain props for movies, theater, um, Broadway plays, and this is a 15-year, you know, business. Hmm. And it is fun, you know, to go and pick out, you know, interesting, odd things that the movie studios can't make themselves because it's not authentic looking on the screen. Now, do you try to, you try to follow along with historic films historically in tune with what the uh, props are? Absolutely. We have to. You know, people are very smart that go to the movies, and you, can, you, you cannot fool people when they're watching a movie, you have to be authentic. And that's why the studios come to us. I have to tell you, I'm the worst critic when it comes to that. I'm terrible. And I'm, I'm, I, no one can go to a movie with me if it's historic, because I pick apart everything. It's awful. Uh, when I see something, oh, yeah, that was made like 14 years after, you know, yeah. after this movie was supposed to take place. Uh, I really am. I, I don't know why. I've always been that way. I just keep a hawk eye on uh, props and things. And one time when I was a kid, I watched Daniel Boone and there was a jet streak in the sky. I even noticed that. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what? You're not really very different from most um, people that go to the movies. People are extremely savvy. And they will recognize things such as these kind of bloopers. And the studios trust us that we are going to date the items that they need, even if it's down to, let's say, a soda cup for the proper era that it's supposed to be in the movie. Wow, that's great. Can you talk about some of the movies that you've uh, helped out? Yeah, one of the funnest ones was uh, Public Enemies with Johnny Depp. Hmm. That was very interesting because we supplied a lot of the movie props, the gun props. And <laughs> those, were, yeah, those were just toys. But however the studio does it, they looked real on the screen. 
was absolutely amazing. It was amazing to meet such a nice person as Johnny Depp. Got a cigarette lighter case signed for my dad, <laughs> and <laughs> which he was completely thrilled about. But the, there is one thing that I'm not crazy about picking for, and that's clothing. Oh, do you do that? But you do that as well? We, we do do it, but it's something that I'm not fond of doing. Well, I know a lot of uh, um, uh, costumes are created normally to period, um, but sometimes they want you to find the originals. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. For instance, we did Sucker Punch with uh, Vanessa Hudgens, and they needed for a scene uh, authentic burlesque outfits. And this was not something that they felt that the dress design, the set designers could make. This was something they wanted authentic costumes. And it, I think it must have taken us about two weeks to find it because clothing is absolutely not something I will house in my warehouses. I'm, like I said, I'm not fond of holding the item. I'm not fond of finding the item. Mm-hmm. And then would you like to know the best that we found for that movie? Sure. Okay, we found a 1920s pair of what they call hooker shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and these were authentic shoes that a prostitute wore in a bordello, and they had uh, tassels hanging down them and rhinestones. And they almost looked like a lamp. They were really actually very pretty with brocade. And uh, I have to say that it, it made a difference in the movie to that scene. Wow. Wow, that's... If only those shoes could talk. Well, maybe you wouldn't want to yeah. hear it. I'm not sure. But anyway, <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. Now, uh, uh, there's a lot of questions I, that come to mind. But first question is, is what do you do with the items after the movie? It seems like it seems like they would have some extra value being in a movie. Well, these items do not come back to us. The studio purchases the items, and it's the studio to do with whatever they, they're going to do. Typically what happens, believe it or not, is most of these items get ruined in a movie. That's why they buy multiples of stuff. If it's something very unique and we can't get the multiples, which is called new old stock, um, then the studio has to be really careful. But we don't rent out props. I see. We literally sell it to the studio. And how do you find all your merchandise? Do you have, like, pickers out there or other people out there looking for you? Yes, I have scouts. For instance, like my primitives that we sell for our, you know, high clientele, we have scouts in Europe that will once a year find me a container filled with various tables and chairs and water bases, anything I'm looking for. They'll call it in during the year, and I'll look at a sheet and decide what I want. But a lot of that stock is now drying up, even the memorabilia side, because you know, there's only so much that was made and housed, and right. at some point it's, you know, gone forever. And mm-hmm. to be honest, reproductions never, ever look the same like the authentic item. I'm actually glad about that for some reason. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But you really cannot replace, you know, it has some form of character because most of these items from these eras were handmade. And they're not handmade today, and you can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're looking for props, do they give you a list of exactly what they need, like how many room settings, and, and how does that all come about? 
Yeah, what happens, first of all, I have a very long-standing relationship with some of the best prop masters in Hollywood. What will happen is a prop master will call me and say, you know, I'm doing this movie, this is the setting, start looking out for, you know, these sort of items, okay? This is what the movie premise is. And then from there we have a series of meetings and we'll go scene by scene to decide what we're going to provide for the movie and... If I don't have it, which is rare because I have so much inventory, I will find it for them. How did you get started in this? And who was your first client? And what was the first movie you did? Or was it a play or something? Well, that's a very interesting question. I actually started out selling clothes many, many years ago when my daughter was born because I figured her clothes were so good, why should I throw them out? You know, somebody else could use them. So... You know, in the beginning, I was doing that, and a friend of mine, who's now my corporate lawyer, turned around and he said to me, you know, I would stop selling the clothes because it's going to be an issue down the road, okay, with selling, you know, for instance, like limited to or something. You're selling the product, and you don't have their blessing to do so. Hmm. So from there... I started doing some research, and I found that the memorabilia market was a really good market, and people loved the stuff you could sell. It took me about two years to start picking up stuff and talking to other dealers and actually finding, like you said, scouts that could find me the items. And I started out really, really small, just like soda bottle caps and stuff. And this stuff just was like I couldn't keep it in stock. It was unbelievable. And then from there... I just got picked up, I guess, finally by the search engines, and I started getting calls from prop masters. Hmm. I can't even remember what the first movie I did was, to be honest with you. It's so long ago. Um, I would say say it probably was local theater at the time. Mm -hmm. Probably was, um, if I'm correct, it probably was a Shakespeare uh, play in Brooklyn that we did, and it was, I think, a prop master whose brother was, a big prop master in Hollywood, and from there I got referenced out. Do you have any idea approximately how many movies you've supplied props for? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I would say we probably do 20 projects a year in the movie theater, uh, in the movie production industry, and the rest of our work is um, work for theater. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, we also do a lot of um, work with, interior designers but the work we do with interior designers is extremely high-end earlier on you said that you met johnny depp do you often get to set on this the scenes when they're filming yeah because i'm coming in and they shoot at all times of the day mostly you know generally with the studios they end up shooting at night or very very early in the morning this way you don't have you know people walking and whatever I've met, you know, lots of interesting, famous people who are all normal, just like you and me, Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. and from there, I've developed relationships with them, and I've gone on to do their homes, and one of the most, yeah, one of the most important things that um, I think makes me successful is the fact that, you know, I have closed lips, you know, I don't talk about people, I don't put their information out there. You know, it's a very confidential relationship, and it's not something that I would broadcast 
telling somebody, you know, I did so-and-so's house because, you know, I want to get other work, and it's really referral word of mouth. So I'm not really going to get any so-and-so from you? <laughs> I'm sorry? You're not going to well, no, tell me I mean, some I'm, of the I'm being honest. I, yeah. this is, you have to understand, when people are famous, they have lots of people who want to hang on and they want to know them. And yes. one of the reasons why I get referred out is because I keep my lips, you know, zipped. Uh-huh. I don't want to, you know, be that person that, you know, gives away the address or gives away a secret. It's not appropriate. And it's because of this I've built a reputation in the industry of people trusting me. And that's what it comes down to. It's a matter of trust. Right, right. Um, now you have something in the works right now, but you can't really talk about it. But what are the types of props that you're getting for it? Well, I can't talk about it, but it's like the funnest movie of all time that I've ever worked on. So we'll have to do another interview on that. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> uh, well, one of the most interesting things that I've had to find so far was original metal fish racks. And these are something that do not exist anymore. You see, like, the plastic compartment types. Um, now what do you, it had to be metal for the movie. So are you saying, like, it's a dish rack from the 1960s or something like my mother had? Yes, exactly. Actually, it's from the 1970s. They're extremely hard to get. Really? Um, one of the biggest manufacturers, I think, was Sapmaster. And this was something very crucial to the movie to find, and nobody could find it. All they were finding were images. And remember I told you, I have probably more than 100,000 pieces of inventory across the United States. Wow. And as I was talking to the prop master, I said, Eureka, I said, I, I actually have the fish rack, and I know exactly where it is. <laughs> and so it's happily on its way to Brooklyn, New York now to be filmed in a scene. Awesome. Does it know it? It does know, and I had to say goodbye to it. Yeah, I had a screen <laughs> test. Now, how do you pos- How can you? And when you say you have that kind of inventory, how the heck do you know what is where? Well, uh, that's really. It's very interesting. I, I don't know um, if I'm like Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> I actually know without looking at an inventory sheet what is in each barn and each warehouse. I don't need to look at an inventory sheet. I have lovingly put each item in that place for a reason. And, you know, when it comes to stuff like that, I actually have, like, a photographic memory. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy, I know. Well, that serves you very well. It does serve me very well. And I've been tested by prop masters, and they've laughed when I said, no, I know where it is, and I'll be coming back with it in about three days. And there it is. And so, again, it's word of mouth and referral because I do as I say, and I mean what I say, and I always produce what they need. So do you have, like, a situation where you call someone at one of the warehouses and you say, hey, look, get this and box it up and ship it out? Or exactly how, how does that work? No, it doesn't work that way at all. I will personally go and pick up the piece. I'm a little bit OCD. Okay, when it comes to uh, getting an item, you have to understand that all these people that I work in the industry with are, you know, not only work referrals, but they're also friends, and so they're counting on me. And I think it's also that personal touch that, you know, 
keep the work flowing for us. Here's kind of an oddball question. You don't have to answer it. Is mm-hmm. this a very lucrative business? Yeah. And I don't mind answering it. Yes, it is. And I, I'm wondering if the next question is going to be, why do I disperse my inventory across the United States? Why do you disperse your inventory across <laughs> the United States? Uh, very simple reason. Many years ago, we had a tremendous flood where the roofs collapsed in my warehouse. And a, a lot of this inventory is not insurable. I mean, if I was to insure it, I would have to go, you know, and insure it for an unbelievable amount of money. And so what happened was I lost, I would say, 50% of my inventory. And after that, I became so crazy that I decided that the best way to do it was just to disperse the items so that if anything like this ever happens again, items would be like the new old stock items would be in each individual barn or warehouse so that... I would never be, you know, downtime not working. Hmm. Wow. So did just a lot of the items that were ruined you just had to toss out, basically? Yeah, they were ruined. Oh, that's terrible. And that yeah. that flood was in New York at the time? Yeah, it was in New York, yep. Uh-huh. Now, do you do any work for um, the other coast at all? Oh, of course. Oh, you do? Okay. Absolutely. I was wondering if it was just yes. New York New York movies. No, 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 no. You know what's happened is a lot of the studios have moved the work up to New York, okay? They must be getting some sort of, you know, better deal, let's face it, to be shooting in, you know, the boroughs. But, you know, we're, we've done Vancouver, we've done L.A., but it seems predominantly now all the studios are shooting at in Astoria and in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a very exciting life. And no, <laughs> it's a very stressful life. Is it? It's not yeah. exciting. <laughs> it might have been exciting 15 years ago. You know, uh, it's, yeah. everybody says the same thing. It really isn't. Uh huh. Well, I mean, to get to me to do something different all the time is one of the things that I love so much about this business. And it sounds like uh, every day must be different for you. Well, it's different in the context of if I don't have the item, we have to research it and we have to find it. Uh And that I will do. Um, And, you know, that can be a really interesting concept. But, you know, it's like anything. You know, you get into a a routine and it's just the norm for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that a lot of people get starstruck. Oh, my God, you're, you know, on the set with this person and that person. Like, we finished Men in Black 3. We did the prop oh, for you that, did? and yeah. that's coming out. Sure. And I did the whole Shea Stadium scene. Oh. And, you know, people are, like, so excited. Oh, my goodness. But you know what? All these these guys that work on these films are all just like us. They're yeah. normal people. They have children. They have normal lives. It's, you know, what you see on TV is not what is the actual truth. Yeah. And there's such an enthrallment with celebrities today overall. Yeah. And and any of the ones that I've ever gotten to meet, they're just like you're saying. They're just like normal people that have everyday lives, and this is just part of it. Yeah, that's really what it is. And I think, you know, part of why, like I told you, we, we not only do the studio work, but then, you know, a, a high-profile person will turn around to me after a movie and say, you know, hey, I'm redoing my garden or something. Can you help me with that? Is because I treat them like normal people. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't, you know, bow down to somebody. I respect them as a working colleague. We each have a function on the film we're working on. And, you know, I will, you know, be as confidential as I possibly can for whatever they need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when you said earlier that you're, you have to research an item, you know, if they, they're calling for something. Have you had times where you just absolutely could not find what they need? Never. Really? That's awesome. Never. Yeah. Never. I'm, I'm tenacious to the sea. <laughs> Never, ever, ever have wow. I ever had something I couldn't find. Wow. That's amazing. What, what if someone asked you to find an electric chair? Do you think you could do that? Uh, yes. Wow. I could. Yeah. Why are you looking for one? <laughs> I've been thinking about it. I have a corner, you know, that's empty. You know, something that's a really interesting question because somebody a couple of years ago was looking for an electric chair. He wanted, I'm not going to say who it is. It's somebody high profile. He just wanted it in his house. Anthony Hopkins. (laughs) No, it wasn't Anthony Hopkins. And, um, you know, stuff like that I, I just find a little bit, off kilter, and I didn't take the job because yeah. I didn't like the whole concept. I I I can respect that. That's something. Um, and when you say that, also again, when you're looking for items, where do you where do you start your looking for? Does it depend on what the item is? Yeah, it depends what the item is. I mean, you know, you have to understand. Again, you know, I have 15 years of you know hoarding <laughs> but my house is not like that but you know the barns and warehouses are to the the max and bulging you know so pretty much everything that you're going to need is going to be in one of our warehouses but i also have such long-standing relationships with other dealers that i have a dealer list and if there is indeed something that i don't have and I've researched it, and I know I need – each dealer sort of has a, a certain expertise. For instance, you know, maybe dealer A deals in, you know, China. Maybe dealer B deals in, you know, vintage clothing. So I just pull my list out, and I'll, you know, ask somebody if I, if I indeed do not have it. For example, for Sucker Punch, we were looking for a Max Factor makeup kit in mint condition, never used from the 1920s, and there was actually a dealer that I know who she deals in makeup and stuff like that, and she had it. That is something. Have you ever gotten involved in automobiles? Yes, I have. that's awesome. I have have plenty of friends who rent out vintage automobiles, and so if there is a call for that, that's never a problem. This is really interesting to me. Uh, Really? Oh, yeah, I think this is, I know it's probably not so interesting to you anymore, but it is to me. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Now, do you ever go to auction to buy pieces? Never. Never. Now, a long time ago, uh, I'm going to ask you why in a minute, but a long time ago, my father had an auction, and there there was a movie in the area, and someone from involved with the movie came there, and they just held their hand up in the air like Statue of Liberty bid, and they bought everything that they wanted. All the dealers were grumbling. They were all upset because the prices were going right. through the roof. They just bought what they wanted and like they had an endless budget. And of course, my father was thrilled. But uh, what is the reason that you don't go to auction? You know, the reason is because I, I don't like a lot of crowds. 
I don't like to sit there and feel angst over bidding on something. The way, you know, you had asked me before, and I don't think I properly answered this. A lot of the items that I get that I stock not only is through scouts, but I'll get a tip that, you know, a warehouse closed, they're going to demolish it, and in the basement they found, you know, you know, X, Y, and Z, and I'll go and examine it. I'll get first crack because I know a lot of people in, you know, various cities. And also the hot spots where a lot of this stuff was made, like Ohio, is, you know, where you put your feelers out. You know, I just, I, I believe it or not, as outgoing as, you know, you know I am, I get really aggravated from crowds. And I just don't like that whole competitive aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want what I want. And, I, you know, as for your dad with the unlimited budget, sure, years ago the studios had unlimited budgets. Nowadays it's not the same anymore. Mm. You know, we are given, you know, a dollar amount. And the studios are really, they, they nickel and dime nowadays because they're, they're not making the money they used to make. That's and right. A lot of that is from, you know, the DVDs and the, mm-hmm. you know, the pay-per-view and all of that stuff that sort of cut down their business. Mm-hmm. Now we have uh, there's listeners in every state to this show, and uh, in up to sixty countries per month. But is there something okay. you can say to help? Uh, I mean, is there any type of scouting that you need out there? Yeah, I always need scouting. I would say that anybody at any time, if you come across something that's interesting, whether it's new old stock. Do you want me to define what that is? Yes, please. New old stock is. Items that were produced during the era that we say they were produced, but they were never displayed nor circulated. So, for example, like soda cups, that would be new old stock that we would find maybe in um, a printing basement or at a Coke Uh plant that closed. And they they never circulated them, and they're in the boxes sealed, and we buy them. I've seen things like that before. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I would say to anybody, if you come across any new old stock, or something kind of interesting, please know electric chairs. You know? <laughs> I have a bunch <laughs> of them anyway. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, give me a shout. I'm always always open to see what you got. Or if you want to get on my dealer list because you have some interesting items or you think you can provide, you know, to us something valuable in the future, you know, give me a yell. I'm always open to that. That would be a, that's a good thing. And your website is trueteeks, T-R-U-E-T-I-Q-U-E-S dot com, correct? Yes, it's, it's trueteeks.com. Yes, so that's where they can find you. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not done with the interview, but I just thought I would ask that, uh, ask that question. Thank you. Yeah. What is your most interesting experience trying to get a prop, and how far did you have to go to get that? My most interesting experience, I would have to say would have to be um, Sucker Punch. That was a really interesting experience because of the fact that none of these burlesque outfits really exist anymore. They were all extremely grand, and they were handmade. Mm. And really, only private collectors own these items anymore, and they might, if you're lucky, rent them out. So it was really by the grace of God that we actually um, found three of them for the movie. Hmm. That was a tough one, actually. That, was that a- took, I would say, yeah, that took about two weeks. And 
along with the shoes. The shoes were a bonus. They didn't, weren't even looking for shoes, but I had to get them because it just matched the outfit perfectly. Oh, wow. Now, so you're saying two weeks. So you a lot of times you can get something done before two weeks? Absolutely. Wow. That's impressive. I, I thought you would have, like, months to do something. No. No. In fact, here's an example. You know, I, I would just like to say a very good friend of mine, Scott Gessinger, uh, passed away last month, as you know. He was the prop master on the movie that uh, I'm working on. Oh. And i just like everybody to know that. He was one of the masters in the industry. He worked on The Dark Knight. He worked oh, on, you know, know, Men in Black 3. Yes, he was an amazing guy and gone too soon. Um, but when Scotty called me, he gave me a list, and we started chatting. And I think within three days I had pictures for him to look at, to to pick out. And, you know, unfortunately now, uh, you know, the show must go on. His um, his assistant has stepped in as the prop master and is doing an amazing job. And we've already pulled all the props for them. We just have to ship it now. Mm-hmm. So I think in total this took us, you know, maybe because of the complication of Scott Pass, maybe three weeks. But usually it's less time. Usually it's within a week. Isn't that amazing? And this is on the truck and to the, and to the studio. Yeah. yeah. I will work all night to get the prop masters, the photographs they need, the prices they need, so that we can discuss it the next day. Because it's a very fast business. You know, time waits for nobody. They need mm-hmm. to shoot scenes, and you need to, if you're going to roll in that kind of business, you need to be able to provide it to them, you know, I would say within 48 hours. Wow. Now, do you have any competition? Well, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but put it to you this way, they don't have as much inventory as me, and they don't have the prices that I have, and they're not as generous with, you know, working with the studios on numbers. So I would primarily say, you know, I'm the main person mm-hmm. that gets these, you know, yep. contracts. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, um, you would be a very hard person to replace as hard as you work. But uh, uh, That's so kind. Thank yeah. you so much. But, you know, truthfully, it's, that's the key. You have to really work hard in this business. I'm not going to lie to you. There's been a mm-hmm. hundred million times that my daughter has said, Mom, turn off the BlackBerry, you know, because it's a 24-7 type of business. Hmm. But, you know, it's, if this is what I got myself into and this is what I do, then I'm going to do it 100%, not yeah. halfway. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I'm kind of curious about, say you have a warehouse in the Midwest somewhere and a movie um, prop person contacts you and says they need A, B, and C, and you only have like two pieces there it wouldn't really seem like it would be worth you flying out there for those two pieces. Uh, No, it's always worth it because when you show people that you want to help them out and I do favors all the time like this, you then get, you know, the bigger work down the road. Mm -hmm. So there's never a time, even if they just need a matchbook that I wouldn't go for a prop master and get what they need. Well, now, do you ever have things topped uh, on top of each other? In other words, like 
one prop master's calling you and then another prop master calls you and another one calls you and they're all looking for stuff all at the same time and you get sure. overwhelmed? Um, no, I'm never overwhelmed. Um, you know, one of the newest things that we've gotten into that I wasn't used to is TV because TV oh. is a weekly thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whereas the movies is, you know, they do a movie and, you know, you pull the stuff and that's it. So the TV has been, you know, a little bit different because they run on an even faster schedule. But, um, no, you know, I, it's, I think it's my OCD head. I just keep them <laughs> all in a file cabinet up there, and I juggle them. It's no problem. I have to say that without the advent of the, the BlackBerry, I would never be able to run this business. <laughs> all right, you're plugging them now. Hey, um But it's true. You yeah. know, it's, it's a very mobile business. Without yeah. it, I mean... You know, what can I say? You saw even when we were in Miami, you know, for the Miami Antique Show, I was constantly, you know, corresponding with my customers. That's right. Yep. Now, earlier on, you said a lot of the props get destroyed. And is that just because they're moved so many times? Yes, that's exactly right. It's not that it's a lack of, like, they want to destroy a prop. It's just that it gets handled so many times in a scene that um, it just ends up getting ruined. Mm-hmm. You know, now here's here's something interesting that your viewers might find your listeners might find interesting. There are times where I will just tell a prop master how to make a prop, and it'll be a lot cheaper than buying from me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think I'm crazy to do that, but it's the the same adage, same theory that if you help people out, they will come back and give you work. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in Men in Black Three, they needed. Um, those sunscreens. Do you remember the sunscreens from the 1960s where you would bake yourself? Oh, yes. Okay. My sister they're had very, very, like that. Yeah. They're very hard to get because of the uh, cancer scare. So you can't, you won't even really find a vintage one anymore. Hmm. But I did find a, a website that actually, you know, sells these things. Now, if I wanted to, you know, make money, I could have told the prop master, you know, it's X amount of money, and I'll get it to you. But I didn't do that because, to me, it's unethical, and I want, yeah, I consider all the prop masters to be my friends, too, as well as colleagues, and I want them to be okay, you know. So I told the guy where to get it, and he got it. He didn't need to get it through me. Has it ever come to your attention that, a say, a celebrity or someone involved in the film itself wanted to keep a piece for themselves that goes into these movies? Because it was in a movie? Sure. There's, there's lots of times that, um, you know, a celebrity will keep something that, you know, brings back a good memory, mm-hmm. you know, in a movie. So absolutely, you know. And the, the prop department doesn't have a problem with that because once it's been in the movie, they're not going, you know, there are certain things that Hollywood does keep in a vault, Okay. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that pretty much they never go into that vault to use the props, ever. It seems to me that there would almost be a business that someone could make out of selling the props from these places um, after they're used. Yeah, I think that there is, um, they do hold auctions Hmm. for this type of stuff. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember, this stuff is really, you know, it goes for big money. Yeah, I would think (laughs) so. You know, this is... Yeah, you know, even like an ice cream cup, if it's been used in, you know, a movie, it could go for a hundred times more than it's worth. Yeah, 
yep. And, you know, people want to be close to that same monster. You know what I mean? <laughs> they want to say that they have a little piece of something. Yes. And, you know, again, it comes down to, you know, confidentiality. People can trust me. And that's, I would say, the number one important factor of my business. That also happens to be why I'm the only one who will deal with the high-end clients. Because I just feel, not that anybody who works for me isn't trustworthy. I love all five of them. But, you know, there's always the what-if factor. At least I know I'm the only person who knows the information. And I'm the only one to blame if something happens. Right, right. So uh, this has been really fascinating. And I've really enjoyed talking to you. We're, We're about out of time here. Is there anything else you can think of that you'd like to tell the listeners out there? You know, I just want to say if anybody, you know, wants to get on my list, give me a yell. I'm always available. If somebody, you know, needs a hand, I'm always happy to help somebody out. Um, and if you want to get into this business, run like hell. <laughs> really, <laughs> it really is. Just, it'll eat you up and chew you out, seriously. It's as bad as being a star. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Laura. So this is Martin Willis with Laura Truman. Thank you so much, Martin. And we're signing off. 